Have you ever imagined fashion being as diverse as human culture? Have you ever dreamed of a respectful, ethical, and socially just fashion industry? Have you ever envisioned sustainability being at the core of the entire fashion system? This is your host, Laura Beltran-Rubio. I'm a fashion curator, researcher, and educator. My mission is to translate scholarly insights into actionable strategies that we can all take to reshape how we create, wear, and think about fashion. So find a comfortable seat, brew some tea, and open your notebook as you join me in the quest for redressing fashion. Welcome back to Redressing Fashion. Before I start publishing new episodes, I've created a collection of what I call loose thoughts that I've been writing and recording over the past couple years. These short episodes contain many of my reflections as both a fashion scholar and a fashion consultant in Colombia as I try to unpack the complex legacies of colonialism in present-day fashion. Please give them a listen, visit my blog for full transcripts, and some images that might be helpful, and let me know what you think. Can we dismantle the hegemonic order of fashion? I've been thinking a lot lately about how fashion functions, and by fashion I mean the global fashion system comprising relationships between things, humans, and the ecosystems that we are part of, not just a sort of plain exchange between producers and consumers. In my musings about the functioning of fashion, I've also been thinking about its order. Inevitably, this has led me to reread the work of Swedish sociologist Patrick Kaspers, which guided some of my first explorations of fashion studies when I was still a baby researcher in economic history over a decade ago. Kaspers has written about fashion as an orderly system, where the complexities of both the social and economic dynamics that give shape to the fashion industry come together. As a result, fashion becomes a sort of social organization rather than a simply a matter of constantly changing trends, personal taste, or individual practices of bodily adornment. Order in fashion is shaped into two types of markets, status and standard. In status markets, value, and thus order, is determined by prestige of the product, of the people that wear it, or the name of the producer. In standard fashion markets, a combination of price over quality is what attributes value to fashion items and orders the market. In both cases, the order that emerges from the social organization of the market is the essential ingredient for the long-lasting survival of the fashion industry. Such an order is generated and maintained by different mechanisms, including the diffusion of fashion trends and the stratification of markets, both of which are mediated by retailers, public figures, and the media, among other intermediaries. While seemingly global, Asper's work seems to leave geopolitical considerations around fashion out of the equation. And as you might suspect, this aspect is what interests me the most, and what I've been thinking obsessively about lately, for I can't conceive any musings about fashion without considering how to decenter and reorient our contemporary fashion system. For centuries, the social organization of fashion has been one of extraction and domination led by its Euro-North American capitals. For centuries, too, the order of fashion has been maintained in accordance with the discourses and narratives of fashion created precisely in these hegemonic centers, and which are then diffused to the rest of the world. 
So order in fashion is inevitably connected to colonialism, imperialism, and capitalism. But order in fashion doesn't have to be static nor perfect. In fact, Aspers does argue that some players in the system may choose to opt out if they find the order undesirable. Rather than opting out, however, I wonder if there might be a chance to actively change the order in the fashion system to move away from its colonial hegemony. And here I want to take haute couture as an example. After reviewing Asper's considerations on orderly fashion, I realized that haute couture as an institution might be one of the most exemplary mechanisms designed to order hegemonic fashion. In this case, synonymous with French luxury production and ensure its endurance and prominence around the globe. In its strictest sense, haute couture should only refer to a specific system of production in fashion based in Paris and regulated by the Parisian Chamber of Commerce and Industry. The term itself is regulated by law and arguably is one of the strongest geopolitical mechanisms that have contributed to the survival and endurance of Paris and France as a fashion capital. The status of haute couture is necessarily tied to Paris and the luxury fashion market is ordered with haute couture at its summit. Haute couture, therefore, protects the hegemonic order of contemporary fashion by creating strong entry barriers for many players in the global fashion industry and thus setting clear boundaries between fashion quote-unquote insiders and outsiders. Importantly, many of the so-called outsiders exist and create in the peripheries of the fashion system, far from its global capital of Paris. But what if we dismantle haute couture as an order-keeping mechanism in the global fashion system? What if we, quote-unquote, take back the term to create a new, more equitable order in fashion? I shared a post on Instagram last week precisely on that matter. I wrote some of my initial thoughts on the possibility of hacking in the sense of cutting off or breaking the surface of haute couture in order to allow the people and cultures that have been constantly excluded from hegemonic fashion narratives to reclaim our space. The comments sparked a conversation that has kept my reflections on the order of fashion going for days, and I still haven't settled on either side of the argument. For some, haute couture does and should clearly denote fashion practices outside of the hegemonic Parisian capital. Others, however, insisted that hacking the term won't do anything. Worse still, by expanding haute couture to refer to other fashion orders, we could risk erasing the nature and diversity of fashion systems beyond Europe. But I do find some potential in reclaiming Eurocentric definitions and redressing them from the periphery. What if, rather than a solution, we take this as a starting point for a long-lasting process that might not even have a clear finish line? In the end, if there's something I've learned about decentering, and some would say decolonizing fashion and our world, is that it's a process, rather than a specific desired outcome. What do you think? As always, I'd love to read your ideas. Please share your thoughts in the comments or on social media. Thank you for reading and until the next time. Original podcast episodes will air starting on January 11th, 2024. So I hope I can entertain you with this collection of loose thoughts until then. And 
in case you want to subscribe to my email list to be notified when the first official episode goes live, I've left the link to join in the podcast notes for this episode. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. You know that I love a good conversation about fashion, so please don't hesitate to email me or message me on social media to continue discussing any of the ideas introduced in this episode. If you liked what you heard, please follow the podcast, leave a review, or share it with your favorite fashion friends. It does make a huge difference as we try collectively to build more spaces for thoughtful and nuanced conversations that can truly help us redress fashion.